Gospel Gospel for Grampian listeners. It is Power Hour with Work on Air. Excited to come into the February month and we're starting our February month with Power Hour. In our studio today, we've got our beautiful Karina and we've got our beautiful Myrtle. And together, the three of us are going to give you a powerful inspiration that will energize you and empower you to walk you through the month of February. So what we've got in our lineup today, Myrtle's going to be talking about be who you are. And we've got Karina talking about the divine exchange, how to be who you are when you understand what the divine exchange means, ending you who God says you are. Today, beautiful listeners, in this power hour, we've got beautiful stuff to give you. The topic is about Angus Bakken in his classroom that he's got on Gospel for Grampian, 8 o'clock in the morning, just before we come on. So I'm going to do something out of here. It's very, very interesting. Yes, I love what Myrtle is saying. Angus Bucken comes on every uh, Thursday, just before us, an hour before. And Angus has also got lots of devotions in his uh, version of uh, his Bible. So he hasn't changed the Bible in any way. He's basically taken the new uh, international version and inserted some grassroots devotion based on personal experiences. And you know, Myrtle, I use a lot of his devotion for my own self to be inspired and to motivate others. Landing the grassroots devotion one from Angus Bucken into your message on be who you are. Talk to us, Myrtle. Angelina, I'm going to give you a scripture first, 1 Corinthians 6.70. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So if you join to the Lord, you are one with God. Do you agree, Angelina? Absolutely. So I'm going to, my topic is about uh, be who you are. And you are going to enjoy every second of it. God loves you as you are. And he made you in a special way. Some are quiet and some of us are loud. Some people are introverts while others are extroverts. My husband was quiet and I am very loud, as you can hear. We were not in competition because we were one flesh. The Lord brought us together. It is a situation one years of so often opposite attracts. That is why one usually finds that a husband and wife have two different personalities. And don't let people tell you, you must do what your husband is doing. That is a lot of nonsense. You have your own personality. For example, you might find Find an extrovert husband who loves the outdoors, married to an introverted woman who perfect, prefers art and theater. So if I'm a theater person and my husband is an outdoor person, how can I expect him to like art and theater? I, he will go with me because he, he loves what I like. 
But definitely, I can't do what he's doing. And you're do not you going agree, Angelina. Absolutely. You know, I love what you're saying. Um, a lot of couples, when they get married, um, they're a bit immature. So I'm thinking about when I was in my 20s in my first husband, I ended up becoming a recreation of who he wanted me to be. I lost myself in the marriage because of that very thing was he was dominant in the marriage and he liked to do certain things. Now, I came up from a messed up youngster, so I didn't know what I liked and what I wanted to be and I didn't even know who I was. So it was very easy for him to dominate the environment and let what he likes become what we must like. And it had to take a nasty divorce and for me being seven years single to actually find who I am. And in that singleness, I found out I don't like long dresses that covers my neck and covers my feet because I was told to wear that kind of clothes. I don't li- I'm loud. I don't like being quiet. When I was at home, I was told to be quiet because if a woman is loud, then it's seen as though she's dominating or she's a Jezebel. So I didn't have a voice in my house. I was really just like, a, uh, if you want to call it, a housekeeper. I would come, my, my role was just clean the house, cook, and feed everybody. I didn't have purpose. I didn't have freedom to say, okay, uh, you know, can I be loud at home? Can I listen to this type of music? Can I watch that TV? I had to do everything that everybody else in the house did because, and, and I realized that in doing that, they were happy. and. Pleasing them meant, okay, I'm in a good space. I I became a people pleaser just to be accepted. Now, remember I told you, Myrtle, I was messed up. So it was easy for me to conform to someone else's behaviors and likes and dislikes, etc. But it was only Myrtle when I was single for that seven years of being uh, divorced from the ex, the first husband, that I found myself and I realized I'm so opposite to what I became in that marriage. So opposite. I'm loud. I love bright colors. Uh, I've got a specific way of dressing. I don't wear, I don't have, I mean, uh, in that marriage, I was dominated by a certain way of dressing. I was told to dress in a certain uh, figure. And at that time, I mean, I have an hourglass figure. So putting an apple-shaped outfit on me looked terrible or putting a ruler-shaped outfit on me looked terrible. And that's the kind of clothing I was told to wear until when I got divorced and the Lord started directing me on finding myself, I learned to dress according to my hourglass shape. I like bright colors, uh, and I don't like long dresses that will go right to my uh, uh, ankles. I, I hate it. Those are not kind of things I would wear. I love heels. I love doing nails. So these are things that I identified in my singleness. And so when Sam and I met, totally opposite of each other, he's totally quiet, soft-spoken. I'm loud. So when we have a conversation and we have a disagreement, my loudness is perceived as fighting and screaming because a loud person, when they are strict or stern on a conversation, it becomes louder. But you're quite right. We are like the couple that you speak there. Sam likes the outdoors. He likes cycling. I love beautiful museums and I love art. But what we realized is that when we meet each other in what each other likes, then we enjoy each other. But that doesn't mean now I'm going to stop enjoying my uh, my art and I'm going to stop enjoying, um, you know, painting as an example and now become a total outdoor freak. No, 
And same with Sam. When we went to uh, Amsterdam and Paris, he enjoyed art with me, but he would not sit in an art 10 hours like I would. So the thing is here that we celebrate one another's likes, but we don't, be, we don't conform to the other person because you lose your identity and your purpose. That is so true, Angelina. Now and again, you will get uh, couples who have the same personality traits, but they are in the minority. God has made you in his own image, and every single one of us is unique. There are no two sets of fingerprints that are the same in the whole human race. I don't know how many billions of people there are on earth, but I do know there's only one set of fingerprints for every single one. It's that miraculous. It saddens me when I see girls with beautiful curly hair trying to make it straight. Girls with stunning blonde hair dyeing their hair with further, then they've got the most beautiful figures, they're a little bit um, round, then they want a nice thin figure. That is not how God made you. Be yourself. Don't be what other people are. Um, be who you are. If you have brown eyes, praise God for that. If you have curly hair, praise the Lord. If you are loud and outspoken, try and keep it a bit down. But don't ch change yourself. If you are quiet and reserved, be happy with who you are. Don't let people change you, please. Be what God has made you to be. Living for his glory and you will find fulfillment in life. Don't you think so, Angelina? You will be the best person when you can be the person you want to be. You start Don't on. let people change you. People will sit next to you and they'll change, uh, tell you, Angelina, but you're supposed to be like your husband. I disagree with this 100%. You, God made you in his own image. Different personality than your husband. Why must you now uh, change yourself to be like your husband? No, for me, that is not right. You know, I love this topic that you're bringing up, Myrtle. Um, this is something you brought up on intercession the other night where you spoke about the devil loves to copy and paste. He's in recreating one human to another, mm. whereas God is into original. That is why no finger, two hands are the same fingerprint, right? Because God is an original. And what happens is Satan puts a thought in a human being that you're not good enough or you're not pretty or you're not intelligent. And then so what happens is the individual then goes and Googles, how do I become pretty? How do I puff my lips? How do I make my lashes long? How do I dress to be accepted? Because everybody is checking that woman and she's got a thousand likes because of her dressing and her hairstyle and her looks. So I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling abandonment. Maybe I need to copy her pattern in order to be accepted. That is 
the work of the enemy because the enemy makes you copy someone else. God doesn't let you copy because he's into originality. And the Bible says, you you also brought the scripture up, I think two weeks ago on radio, where you said, uh, God formed us in our mother's womb. He knitted us together, every bit of us, piece by piece in our mother's womb. That means I'm unique to Karina. God never created any species that look the same. The, the spots are different. The fingerprints are different. So the uniqueness that we have can only come forth when we know who we are in God. You know, Angelina, that something that freaks me out is God says in the Bible you're not allowed to clone. These days they clone people to look the same. But believe that. I mean, you've got science that's cloning, but you've also got people that have a low self-esteem that are cloning themselves into others. I mean, I'm telling you now, I've noticed, I've picked up that there's so many people who have mentors and, and people that they follow, they become like them. Instead of them learning the quality traits of the followers and learning skill sets from the followers to help them in their original identity they literally dress like the person walk like the person talk like the person i'm like when i'm talking to the follower i'm like i see the leader in you not the habits but the physical people are losing their identity by allowing their leadership to dominate the way they look I mean, I think about Karina. She's like my spiritual daughter, right? She's my niece, but also uh, she works for the company. And um, I've told her straight. There was a time where she wanted to do blonde and I said, no, it doesn't suit you. There can only be one blonde in the family, and that's me. Red hair suits her. Her dress style, I am a, a, I'm a, 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 what do you call it, an hourglass. What shape are you, Karina? A ruler. Or straight shape. So my kind of clothes would never suit Karina. In, and her clothes doesn't suit me. The fact that I'm more voluptuous than her, the, the clothing shape, uh, our shape of our bodies never suit, don't suit each other. Imagine she dresses like me. How terrible she would look. Because her body shape and her height and, and her, 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 you know, her body uh, volume, the way she dresses suits her. So I'm saying that leaders, if you've got mentors or people following you, become sensitive about their personal identity and don't allow your mentoring them in certain skill sets be distorted by them copying who you are because they end up becoming your recreation rather than being who God designed them to be. Encourage them to be themselves, to dress the way God designed them to dress, to find out their personal branding. Because when they become like you, they're not branding themselves, they're branding you. They're a slave to you. And that is not what God designed us to be. And another thing you brought up, Myrtle, that is so, so relevant. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, Sam and I met some people for a chat. And, and they were talking about Sam and me being busy. And they said, you know, um, the busyness is going to affect your marriage. So, you know, uh, there's no your vision and Sam's vision. You'll both have to have one vision. And that shocked me. It is exactly what you were talking about now. God made Sam as an outdoor, and he's made me like uh, art. Uh, similarly, he's got certain career traits that I have different. He's a teacher in the word of God. I'm an exhorter and an uplifter. Secondly, the business that God put in my heart, Sam has got no uh, uh, vision for it. He doesn't see it as his vision in life. Now, imagine this couple comes and says to us that we must have one shared vision. 
And that is what God destined us. When I look at Proverbs 31 women, she is busy doing her business things, seeing her own investments, being a trader in, in business activities, doing work in the community. And her husband is at the el is with the elders in the city gates doing uh, uh, political stuff. I don't see the shared vision there. It says her rewards praises her at the city gates. So, so gospel for grandpian listeners, it's okay to do something that your spouse likes if you have the same shared vision. If in your singleness, God put a design you to be a pastor of a church, and then your spouse comes and God puts in them a desire to be a pastor of a church, then together you'll meet each other. You'll are both pastors in the church, and you'll both follow the vision of God in your gifts and use it in the church. That's great. But if God has brought a husband your way or a spouse your way and you've got your own personal visions, don't allow time to spend together be a factor to influence your personal visions. Make time for each other outside your personal visions and support each other in those visions. Because when you go to heaven, God's going to ask you, I gave you five talents. What did you do with it? You were so busy growing your husband's talent or your wife's talent, you forgot to grow your talent. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's think about it, right, Myrtle? People that don't have a vision to open a, a specific business together. Each of them work in different companies. Does that affect their marriage? No, no not at all. They come after work from their respective career paths. One's a lawyer and one is a nurse. The nurse goes to work, the husband, the lawyer goes to work. In the evening, they come and they spend time, but he's still the lawyer and she's still the nurse. So why now when it comes to divine purposes in life, you have to force each other to be the same vision when God has given you different gifts? Become wise, ask God for wisdom, gospel for grandpian, so a listener, so that you know what you call to do, and God will bring a husband or a wife your way to support your vision while you support their vision without changing each other's identity and purpose in life. You know, the worst thing you can do, Myrtle and Karina, is Change someone else's destiny because you are selfish and you want time with them. That is just selfish and that's the worst thing you can do. You know, I'm thinking about my first marriage. Because I was messed up and the person was an unbeliever and he had a dominant nature, it was so easy for him to change me to become something I'm not. If you have to go and look at me in my 20s, I was an intro person. Not an extrovert, I was an introvert. I was I I was laying low. Nobody knew I existed. I was I I didn't use any of the exhorting gifts and empowerment gifts that I had in me. I didn't even know I could do those things. I was in school and I knew that I was an activist for justice. But when I got into this relationship and got married, I lost all of that. I lost my voice. I lost my identity. I didn't even know sure what I was. And it had to take seven years of me being single after the divorce in order to find myself. So I'm saying to you, Gospel for Grampian listeners, take time to find yourself. Go back to what our episodes 33, 34, 35. We, spoke, we speak about your identity. We speak about how your purpose is hidden in who you are in your identity. And then we speak about what am I? Where's your place of influence? Like I'm saying, if you were a nurse, being in uh, in the court, 
is not your place of influence. But if you allow your spouse to dominate your your personal visions, then you are going to be in the court and you're not going to have significant skill set to defend justice there. You'll be defending corruption because that is not where you're called to defend. Similarly, if the husband is called to be a lawyer and his wife is dominating because she's a Jezebel spirit, then he's going to spend more time in the hospital alongside her and he's going to become a male nurse. But having no experience on how to be a male nurse, So really, 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 gospel for grandparent listeners, you do get male nurses and you do get female nurses, but they qualified and they have a vision to take care of them, uh, of people in, in, in in the hospital. But if you are called to be a lawyer, don't let people take you out of your will because you are weak enough and don't know yourself. You know, I blame people for why they're out of the destiny of God. I blame them for self-neglect. Uh, uh, if you neglect yourself, of course you, other people are going to then uh, uh, influence you. You can't neglect yourself. When you go to heaven and God judges you, he's not going to say, bring all the people that influence you. He's going to say, you had the choice. You had free will. Absolutely, absolutely, Angelina. There's just so many uh, nuggets taken from what you and Myrtle saying. You know, we all are different. And I think about the question I asked you earlier about, you know, plumping the lips and everything, because I'm seeing this thing that is happening uh, in social media, which actually makes you think, you know, I is it something that you wanna would want to do? And is it safe? Or what, what, what is, why are they doing it? You know, that's always a question in my mind. Why? Do people do it? What's nice about it? And why do you want to change your image? Why do you want to change who God created you to be, to be something that he didn't create you to be? Because you can be like in God's image or you can be the opposite of God's image. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the plumping of the lips, right? You, you've got the most beautiful lips and you love your lips, but you're feeling rejected. No one's giving you compliments. No one's, uh, you know, acknowledging you around. And suddenly you go on Facebook or on Instagram and everybody is commenting this beautiful hot babe because she's got the best lips and the best lipstick color to suit her lips. And then you go, oh my gosh, maybe at this low moment of feeling unloved and rejected, maybe I've got some money. Maybe if I just go and top my lips up like hers, hers, I'm going to be accepted and I'm going to get some attention. That's how it starts. That is how it starts. I mean, I'm thinking about last year, March. It was February or March. We had our friends talk in Women of Africa Care. And if you want to listen to our friends talk where we have videos, YouTube videos about our, uh, you know, women empowerment discussions, please tune into our womenofafricacare.com website, go into our empowerment, women empowerment programs, and you will see one of the nuggets we did last year, February or March. We had a young girl there that spoke about identity. And she said that, you know, uh, being popular was such a big thing. And because she didn't feel popular, and she's a pastor's daughter, she said she didn't feel popular. So she needed to go and um, get, uh, you know, earn popularity status in order to feel love and accepted. She said the amount of work that she had to put in every day in order to get many likes. She had 5,000 likes so quickly, but she said to get the 5,000 likes, she had to go to the gym, work extra hard. She had to get the right clothes on. She had to put the right clothes on. She had to eat right. She had to do so much of work every day for a couple of months just to have 5,000 likes on Facebook and to maintain that likes. 
And then suddenly she woke up one day and she says, God, I'm going to die if I carry on like this. This is exhaustive. Just to get likes, popularity, Myrtle, she had to work at looking after a body that she actually became a slave to her body. She forgot to live and she's a university student. Can you believe what happens when you don't like yourself? You end up becoming a copy and paste and approval by man rather than allowing yourself to be approved by God. You know, Angelina, I'm dead honest now what I'm going to tell you. People that are like that are not happy the way God made them. Can you imagine what must God go through? Seeing that you don't like yourself. I made her like this. She wants to look like somebody else. You know, that then reminds me of, let's bring it back home. If you want to understand how God feels about it, let's bring it back to the natural. I have sons. If my son has to come and say, Mom, it's your fault that I'm ugly. It's your fault that my teeth are not right. It's your fault that my feet are not right. It's going to hurt me as mommy. It's going to hurt me as mommy. How my child says he's ugly because he came out of me. But Myrtle, that's exactly what happens when we don't accept who God made us. We end up saying, God, you haven't made me good enough. Now I have to become like another human being. How sad is that? How sad is that? Hundreds and thousands of friends to make you look like somebody else. Yep, yep, yep. Let me tell you gospel for grandparent listeners. I'm one of those victims. I had such a bad low self-esteem because in the first marriage, I was broken down. I was told that I'm not pretty enough. I'm old. I was 33 years old, Karina, when my ex-husband broke me down. I ended up becoming bulimic, uh, I, I, whatever ate I threw up because now I had an issue with identity. I, uh, my husband said to me that I'm not good enough and I don't look pretty and I'm not smart enough. So he said to me that my body parts are falling down. I'm 33. He says, uh, you're old. You're your body is old. And, and after being intimate with me as a married couple, just after being intimate with me, that's what my husband said, my first husband. He says, your body is old. Your body parts are not in line. And here's this 33-year-old girl. She's thinking she's now in a prime of her age. And she gets landed this. Do you know what I did, Myrtle? I was so affected by this, this words. A year after he divorced me, he ended up marrying a girl that's like about 15 years younger than him. That hit me home. Really true, I am old. That's why he went for a younger girl. I went and fixed my body up. I did a tummy tuck. I did a boob job. I did a boob lift. I did a boob fill. All because I needed to be esteemed. Just to be esteemed. And only to find out when God blessed me with Sam, my Husband Samuel Mohan Prasad loves everything about me because there's sometimes in the year where I overeat because it's Christmas and I'll just let my hair guards down. Or there's sometimes where I'm fasting and I don't eat at all. And then when I do start eating, I have to build my metabolism again. So I eat and then you'll see a little bit of flap here and there. My husband will never come say, You old, unattractive, or ugly. He'll just come and feel the little flaps and he'll say, You're picking up a little bit of flap, but in a very loving way. And then he will bump mean chocolate on top of it to eat it so i'm saying that that i wish 
I'd met Sam earlier in life because I wouldn't have went and done the tummy tuck and done the boob job and all of that because I neglected my body, which is my fault. But, you know, when I did all of those things because I was rejected, I actually realized that I'm telling God, God, I don't like how you made me. Because here's a man telling me at the age of 33, I'm unattractive, I'm, I, I, I'm old. I should be happy that God made me this way. And yes, we must look after our bodies. And we have ourselves to blame when our bodies are out of line. However, I'm saying, look in the Bible and see what God says. And at that time, Myrtle, at 33, I was a good weight not an overweight. I was wearing size 30, 32 clothes. For a man to tell you when you're in your good weight that you're ugly and old, there's very little you can fix up. Then you have to go the operation way. But I, I wish I didn't had rejection at that time because I would have handled the fixing up God's way because that fixing up meant renewing my mind to who God says I am. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I am the apple of his eye. He knitted me in my mother's womb, step by step. I've got beautiful eyes. I love who I am. I love my height. I love my, my, my hourglass shape. I love everything about me. And if life happens and after two babies, I have a little bit of a saggy tummy, it's okay. I'll just exercise. But the point is, if God made me to be a mommy, and it means that my breasts are going to sag a little bit or my tummy's going to have a little bit of boob, that comes with motherhood. Great. I'm not now going to go and transform myself because I need to be a Baywatch babe because I need men to get my attention. I must be comfortable in who I am. The way you said it, uh, Angelina, I've got a scripture, Isaiah 43.1. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He's happy the way you are. Absolutely. So gospel for Grampian listeners, as we conclude, be who you are. Remember Isaiah 43 verse 1. God made you. Embrace who you are because you are beautifully and wonderfully and perfectly made. You are God's masterpiece. Nobody can compete with your originality. So stop following other people's behavior patterns and looks and dress code, etc., etc., and be your original creation. If you are following other people, then I'm going to see them branded in you. I'm going to miss you. I want to know who you are. Because I'm seeing the other person in you. But if you be yourself, then I'm going to remember you. Okay, Gospel for Grampian listeners, what have you got for us, Karina? Yes, well, that was power pack. So I'm going to be speaking about the divine exchange. The divine exchange, God's life given in exchange for the fallen nature. This is so amazing. And I just love this. You know, in Romans 5, 12, it says, therefore, just, just, has through one man's sin, one man's sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Now that's referring to Adam and Eve. So what is sin? And sin comes from hamartia, which is a Greek word, the um, strong concordance 266. 
Hamatya is a sin or a failure. The definition is a sin, failure, missing the mark. A fault, failure, sinful deed. Hamatya is a brand of sin that emphasizes itself originated, self-empowered nature. It is not originated or empowered by God, not of faith, his inward persuasion. Adam and Eve forfeited their position of authority, rulership and dominion. When they chose to submit to the voice of the stranger, the devil, they became slaves to sin. And that's exactly what sin does. When you submit to sin instead of God, it, it will make you lose your position and authority. God who is love, who God who is love and rich in mercy did not destroy Adam and even I love this. Because even though they went against God, God did not destroy them. He Amen. could have just said, I destroy you now and finished and that's over. But he didn't do that. He was so rich in his love and mercy that he covered them up. Wow, he is such an amazing God who's rich in love and mercy, did not destroy them, but rather he covered their nakedness. Wow foreshadowing that God had a plan to destroy sin through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is awesome. However, God covering their nakedness did not mean that they would continually live a blessed life. No, not at all. God is a God of justice and must punish sin. So God cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden to toil to earn a living outside the blessing of God. Sin creates a cursed living. That speaks in Deuteronomy 28. The first part of the chapter talks about the blessing. Blessings inherited through obedience to God and curses Im imposed through disobedience. You know, that, that's what happens when we refuse to submit to God. We walk in sin and sin allows us, it opens the doors for curses to come in. So what is a curse? The definition of a curse, 2671, strong concordance, the katara, a curse, cursing a curse, doomed one. It means doomed one, means to go down. Penalties received due to condemnation. The consequences of you touching a fire is that you will get burned. Similarly, the consequence of sin is a curse that leads to condemnation to go down, referring to hell. So when you sin intentionally, knowing that God you know, has done amazing things for you and you're still sinning, you're opening the door to curses. You're opening the door to not the blessing. You are opening doors to something that God has doesn't even want for you, but you opening that door. You can choose, Lord, you want blessings for me? I'm going to go this way. I'm going to be obedient. Or you can say, Lord, I don't want to listen to you. I want to go this way and do it your own way because it's not backed up by faith. And the Bible says, you know, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And in the beginning, when I spoke about sin, it says it's not backed up by God. Sin is not backed up by God. Yep. So in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever may believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what I was just talking about now. When you know that God has done this for you, you cannot walk back in the way of sin, but you have to believe. Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 13 to 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law 
having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. Through faith. What we are just saying now about faith. When we walk in the Spirit, you know, we're walking in faith. When we, we, we have to have believing that God is going to do something. We cannot walk in sin and expect faith because light and darkness do not mix. So what is redeem? What does redeem mean? What did Jesus do for us? Exarazo 1805 means redeem, strong concurrence 1805. It means to buy up, to ransom, to rescue from loss. To buy up ransom, to buy at the marketplace, properly take full advantage of seizing a buying opportunity, making the most of the present opportunity, recognizing, recognizing its future gain. So when God saw that the, the fallen nature of Adam and Eve, he had to recognize that they, that they needed to be redeemed in order for them to get the blessing because he's a good father. He's a loving Amen. father and he wants the best for his children. He did not want us to lose our authority and position. Therefore, he sent Jesus so that we can be redeemed and get what is rightfully ours. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that word righteousness 1343 three, strong concurrence daikosune righteousness is justice the definition is righteousness of which god is the source or author but practically a divine righteousness properly judicial approval it means what is deemed right by the lord after his examination what is approved in his eyes so when jesus died for us we become redeemed we become righteous in god's eyes when we accept jesus as lord and savior it's our decision that we have to make no one can make that decision for you in genesis 12 verse 2 to 3 it says and i will make of thee a great nation this is referring to the blessing when you receive jesus as lord and savior this blessing is for you too this blessing means you you will inherit what it says in Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. And in there shall be families of the earth. Be blessed, and thou shalt be a blessing. Amen. So what does a blessing mean? Blessing means Barak, strong concordance 1293. And that word means to benefit. It's a blessing, a gift, most blessed, peace, present. We don't just become blessed with material things like people think it, but we become blessed with peace and health and stature like Abraham. He was, he was rich in material things, but he, was, he had wisdom. He was wise. He had stature. God has spoken that we are his, that he has given us his name. This is a divine exchange. So when we believe and repent of our sins and believe that he saved us from sin and redeemed us with his blood, we begin to live life on earth as if Christ was living through us Amen. without sin. Therefore, when God redeemed us, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer sick in health, but we are healthy. 
The Bible states, and now let the weak say, I am strong. Amen. And let the poor say, I am rich. Let the sick say, I am whole because of what the Lord has done for us. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 says, Yes. And yes, gospel for grumpy listens, the life we now live, we live it in Christ. This is our divine exchange. This means that we are a cho- we are chosen, we are royalty. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, Amen. his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We think like Christ. We have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. We are brave because God gave us a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. We are God's beloved family. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now you can get excited. Yep. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, not in the earthly places, but in the heavenly places, in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Let's park there. I love what you're saying, accepted in the beloved. And that's just the key. I mean, Myrtle started the conversation of be who you are. You will not be who you are as God designed you, if you do not understand that you are accepted in the beloved. You You have to accept who you are in the beloved. Mm. If you don't know Christ, you don't know yourself because you are designed in his image and likeness. So in the absence of Christ, we don't know our real, our identity. The Bible says in the beginning in Genesis that let us make man in our image. God was talking there, Jesus Christ, Abba Father and Holy Spirit. And they said, let us make man in our image and in our likeliness and let them take care of the earth. So we are created like God in his image, but without knowing the God who is the beloved, we'll not know who we are. And so how on earth can we rejoice? Absolutely. It just shows you, Angelina, how much wisdom God had when he created man. Yes. When he says that, you have to be rooted to the vine, meaning you have to be connected with God. He wasn't being selfish. He wasn't being selfish. He was saying, if you want to enjoy the real you and understand your capabilities and your potential and purpose, if you want to understand that you are divine in nature, you need to know that you are of me. I like to give the example of a light bulb. Mm-hmm. A light bulb is used for light. I mean, if it's in the darkness and if that switch needs to be on, it needs an energy source in order to come on. 
if we are not connected to the source, which is Jesus Christ, we cannot come on in the darkness. We'll be dark. There's no purpose for us. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so gospel for Grampian listeners, we're saying that as we spoke about in January, the identity and the purpose and the what I am, the key here is do not forget that if you want to enjoy February and the rest of the year, your foundation of your success is your personal identity. And that personal identity is rooted in God, is found in God, because we were created out of God. So you can't, like we use the analogy of the washing machine and the the um, the washing machine and the dishwasher. dishwasher. You can't behave like a washing machine and think like a dishwasher. It won't you won't succeed. You you have to know that if God is saying that you are gods, I mean some says that we are gods because we are children of God. So if Jesus is God, then we are gods because it says king of kings and lord of lords. So if Jesus is a king, we are kings. If Jesus is lord, we are lords. Therefore the king of kings and the lord of lords. So you don't understand your lordship and your kingship if you don't understand who you are in God. Absolutely. So Ephesians 1, 3, 6 is so important. Accept who you are in the beloved, who you are in God, so that you can function as lords and kings, ruler and dominion over the work of God's hands on the earth. Yes, absolutely. And you know, 2 Corinthians verse 5 to 17 verse 21 says, When I began to believe in my spirit, I am like Christ. The more I believe it, the more I believe it, my mind conforms to the truth and I begin to walk in holiness, knowing I am as righteous as Christ is. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Has the God, we're pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our happy place, the blessings of the Lord make us rich and they add no sorrow with it. So when we know who we are, the Lord's blessings will make us rich and it will add no sorrow with it. Because why? Because we know our identity in Christ. Because we know we have no sin in us because we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Therefore, we are the redeemed, we are the righteous, and we are who God says we are. Walking full power authority tramping upon lions and cobras under our feet without any fear i love what you're saying karina the blessing the blessing of god makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it the curses add sorrow perishes us and makes us die and i also love what you're saying that we are the righteousness in christ jesus yes. it's a free gift yes you have to take it if you don't take it, then you'll always condemn yourself. And lots of people that commit suicide are self-condemning. Self because if they know who they are in Christ, they'll never have to commit suicide. People that go about creating themselves into becoming something popular doesn't know who they are. They don't understand that they are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I am perfect as Christ is. My spirit is perfect as Christ is without sin. And when you are fully convinced that your spirit is as righteous as Jesus, then your mind will conform to that belief and you will never have to sin. The reason people sin, Karina, is because they do not understand 
the righteousness principle. They do not understand what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, that he divinely exchanged his perfect life and sinless life. He was without sin. He exchanged his life and took on sin so that we become perfect and without sin. And when your brain, when your spirit man is fully convinced that your spirit is as righteous as Christ is and perfect as Christ is, then your mind, will, and emotions will conform to that belief and you begin to live from a position of victory and not victimization. But the reason people don't understand the righteousness is because they've got this confusion, this The things of this world are distracting them from believing what's in their heart. What you believe will become your your, your ruler. If you've got less word in you, Myrtle, and less praying, and you have more of the world in you, then you will have your spirit is righteous, but you will conform to what the world is telling you. That is why the Bible says walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because every day, every Christian is faced with good and evil. Just like what Eve had in the Garden of Eden. Sin happened and Jesus came and restored us to our original form. Before Adam and Eve had sinned, we were all designed to be like that, walking one with God, having the mind of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, going about looking after the beautiful Garden of Eden, and we're supposed to multiply that Garden of Eden throughout the earth. But when sin happened, we were cast out of the garden, and therefore you see the earth full of toiling and toiling and toiling, and very little places on the earth is like a garden of Eden. If it is an oasis, it's because somebody has got a relationship with the Lord. And Jesus then went and restored that. So every place on the earth where there's a Christian, Karina, there has to be a garden of Eden. Why isn't there a garden of Eden? Because Christians every day are faced with good and evil. And if evil is is dominating their lives, there's no God in there. Because even though they are Christian by face value, by mind telling them I'm a Christian, their heart is not fully convinced that they are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Therefore, they have a confused state of mind where one minute I'm good, the next minute I'm not good. One minute I'm holy, the next minute I'm a sinner. One minute I'm righteous because the Bible says it, the next minute I'm unrighteous. You have to conform to what the word of God says. Your spirit is righteous. You have to let your mind, will, and emotions meditate and be fully convinced that your spirit is as righteous as Christ is. And when you take Holy Communion, you are acknowledging you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Your mind, will, and emotions then are dominated by that truth, that truth. And when you do, Myrtle, then you begin to walk in that blessing that Karina said, where the blessings of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow with it. Yes, um, Angelina, let me tell you, nothing is impossible with God. My God shall supply all you, your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Christ in you is your hope of glory. God is Jehovah Jireh. Your provider, you lack no good thing. You are a lender and not a borrower. God is building you up, temple of the living God. Let's stop there. God is building you up, temple of the living God. 
How many people, Karina, do we know? They look at the church as the temple of the living God. So when they see the temple out of order and they see the church out of order, they begin to challenge it. But here God is talking about our bodies. It is where God lives because that is what uh, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. You're going up there to the uh, mountain at the sanctuary, at the tabernacle to go and worship. But God is changing things. God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, meaning the minute the spirit of God has baptized you, you are now the temple of the living God. Your body is a sanctuary for the Lord. And when you can comprehend the righteousness in Christ Jesus, then exactly what you're saying now, Myrtle, God is building us up Yeah, but as he, living stones. Peter says that. Angelina. But people don't understand it. We are the church. We are the church. The, the normal people are the church. God is coming back for the bride, right. which is the church. church. Can the physical church be converted into a bride? No. No. So come on, gospel for Grampian listeners. In this power hour, we're shaking you up because we love you. You can't play Christianity. You live it. It is a lifestyle. When you're a, when you live in Ephesians, they say you're a, when you live in Ephesus, they say you're in Ephesians. When you live in Corinth, they say you're a Corinthian. You, when we say you're a Christian, that means you're a Christ follower. So that means Christ in you is your hope of glory. Amen. So be the temple and work on yourself or else you're going to be the cursed life that Karina spoke about where you have to be like Adam and Eve and toil and every day wake up, go to work, come to bed, come home in the evening, sleep. Your purpose is every day work till you die. Whereas in Christ Jesus, every day you're working is for an eternal purpose because you see what you do now impacts eternity. When you're a born-again Christian and you understand who you are in Christ, then you begin to think eternity and live eternity. Remember, God is a God of no time. He's a respect. He's not a respecter of time. He works out of time and in time because he is infinity. He is everlasting. That is why God can see the end from the beginning. He created us, but he visioned us before he created us. So he sees everything. So if you don't know God and you don't have a personal relationship with him, you will be limited with your earthly lifespan of thinking, oh God, now, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, science says I'm going to, uh, humanity is living up to 80, so I got to work, work, work to see how I can live up to 80. But when you are understanding that you are of God, created in Christ Jesus, your life doesn't end after you leave the earth. It it end it, it never ends. So what do you do now is going to impact your future. Therefore, you no longer, Karina, live from day to day for just a job. The blessings of the Lord makes you rich and add so, no sorrow. You begin to live with eternity in mind. So God is not a God that you will lie, Angelina. God never leaves us nor forsake us. God is building you up. The church. People is the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. And these are these a middle. What are you saying? Is what God says, but nobody will understand this revelation 
unless they understand who they are in Christ. I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I am. The second Adam came to restore us to our original form. I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Just like how Adam and Eve were created in the garden to be fruitful and and, and multiply and occupy the entire earth to look like the Garden of Eden, the minute I became born again, this is my lifestyle. This is my goal, to create a Garden of Eden where I live and to expand it throughout the earth. But people, how many people we know confess what you've just said now, but they don't have the revelation. They don't see it come to pass. They don't see impossibilities come to pass. They don't understand that God is their source and their provider. They don't understand Jehovah Jireh, my provider. They have lack. They have lack. They are borrowers and not lenders. They don't see miracles. Why? Why? Because they don't understand what Jesus did on the cross. I am as righteous as he is. The life that I now live, I live in him. Therefore, I have eternity in mind as I live. Hey? God is a promise keeper gospel for Grampian listeners. The divine exchange God gave is exchanging his life on the cross for our life. Therefore, we walk in health wealth and strength because the bible says let the poor say i am rich let the weak say i am strong and let the sick say i am whole that is what was done on the cross the divine exchange that karina highlighted you can choose to live in the curse or you can choose to live in the blessing the choice is yours but we are telling you you are now sick in february Take that stand. Make the Bible become your reality. Pray and speak the word of God. The spirit of the Lord is on the earth waiting for you, gospel of Grampian, to speak the word of God into the atmosphere so that he can give you that divine exchange that God gave you on the cross. Don't waste any more time. Gospel for Grampian listeners. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in him, your, your heart becomes something that pleases him. Lord, I'm delighting in you. Therefore, God's vision for your life becomes your vision. Therefore, you think bigger than your small mindedness. That's why, Angelina, I just want to um, say that um, Adam and Eve was there. God could have destroyed them like um, Karina said, but he had wisdom and wisdom is coming from God. Ask God for wisdom, knowledge and understanding and you won't have lack in anything. That Solomon had any lack, Angelina, that's why I ask him for wisdom, knowledge and understanding. Believe that God has saved you and walk in the plans that God has for you. We live by faith and not by sight. You are the redeemed child of God. So behave like the child of God and walk in his promises. To end our session today, Gospel for Grampian listeners, take heed to what we say, that God prepared the way for us to be restored to our original form. And he has a great plan for every single one of us to bless us and give us a good, long life and to enjoy all the things that he's given us on the earth to enjoy. So I pray that each one of you will be fruitful and multiply in your place of purpose, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. You know, who can comprehend the mind of God? 
unless you have his wisdom riddle, knowledge and understanding, you can never comprehend the mind of God. How can you comprehend an earth spinning without any structure? That is the mind of God and only wisdom, God's wisdom, can make you comprehend the mind of God. My ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So if we do not delight ourselves in the Lord, Karina, we will not understand those thoughts and those ways. And therefore, we can't conform. And before you know it, we're living like Adam and Eve sinned. Toiling, 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 and never seeing the blessings of God. Speaking scripture, but it is just empty letters because there's no revelation in those scriptures because we don't believe it. We speak it out of legalism, but not because we are convinced and not because we have the revelation. So gospel for Grampian listeners today, get the revelation, develop a relationship with the Lord, and the word of God will become true. It will be enlightened, and you'll begin to walk in power, authority, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that only the living God can give you. And then you are going to do great exploits in 2023 for the Lord. And then you are going to contact us and email us and give us great testimonies of how this truth, you being convinced of it and applying it in your life has changed your life. From all of us, ta-ta. Bye.